You are listening to the Light Over Time podcast with David Sargent and Corey Bartos. How you guys doing? doing? Hey. We're going to do that every week, aren't we? I love it. I almost time it. I'm like, is he going to talk? I'm going to go ahead and cut him right off. That's all right. Uh, Yeah. So how are you? I'm good, man. The sun's shining. I'm feeling pretty good about what we've done in the last week and what we talked about last week. And I'm excited to hear what you've been up to. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it was crazy down here this weekend. Uh, yesterday, we just was like, we're going to have a crazy storm out of nowhere. I was driving up to work because I forgot something that I needed for this podcast. And uh, I was on 131 North and just like thought I went into purgatory. It was like a block of just the whitest snow I've ever seen. I had zero feet of visibility and was like, where am I? I didn't know up, down, left, right. I was like, this is crazy. But it was only like a quarter mile. And then it clears out and two people are in a ditch. I'm still on the road somehow. I couldn't even see the physical road. And I was like, oh, that's good. And there was sun. And I was like, oh, that was horrifying. (laughs) I went through pretty much an identical situation yesterday. Yeah, coming home from... Uh, the Boyne Market, and it was a whiteout from Boyne to Horton Bay, and then from Horton Bay to Charlevoix was complete sun. It was just weird, but it was like yeah. terrible road conditions the whole way. The slush was yeah. pulling me all over the place. Yeah, we didn't have slush, but we had a ton of ice. It was it was wild. Anyway, uh, it was like you know five degrees here or whatever, and I'm sure it was as bad or worse up there. Um, but yeah, so we are here. What are we drinking today? I got the Sadama on, you know, uh, went with the Brita filtered water, so I'm getting this berry profile, whatever is hitting me, because um, the opposite tended to happen when I used the spring water, and I was getting the peachiness, and this one's a confusing one, and it's making me question everything, but I'm going to put that aside for a bit. Yeah, that's fair. I uh, did the Sadama and that El Salvador and uh, three different brew methods yesterday, and all of them were fantastic. I don't know yeah. what we did to make like every brew perfect, but Evan and I crushed it, and we had very good coffee. Today well, it seems the, to uh, me, oh yeah, can, it can seems to that? me that both of those coffees are like peak right now. So it, Word. you know, it's doing you some favors by using them now. Yeah, I still have probably two or three brews out of uh, both of them. But yeah, anyway, I got the the factory coffee cold brew. This is so good. I'm almost mad about it. Um, is it just one coffee they use for that? Uh, I, you know, I actually don't know. Or if the, I mean, do. is it like one variety? Do they sell other kinds? I should have asked. Yeah, I can't. No, they, it's just cold brew. Just so one. I don't know. I don't know if they're doing like their blend. I wonder if it's their wild child blend. Um, but it could just be like a single origin coffee that they like. I don't know, but it tastes better than most cold brew I've gotten from a cafe. And it's certainly the best coffee I've ever had in a can. Um, I like legitimately like it. And I usually only drink canned coffee as like, I don't have anything else and it's quick and easy, right? That's the only reason I've ever drank. I I get these because I like them. (laughs) I'm curious about what it actually tastes like. Because I went down to Cafe Maria and here in Charlotte, the newer place, and their cold brew is super whiny and super fruity and bright. And that is like kind of the opposite of the way I've always approached and appreciated cold brew. And when he was like, Hey, you gotta, you gotta try this. And he's, he's using counterculture coffee. So super, super high quality beans. And he made the choice to use some, I think it was iridescence or something uh, from them for cold brew. And it's like, just like juice. It was incredible. It was very different. Yeah. All right. It's weird, but, uh, I'm a fan. So, you know, support local, uh, businesses. Yeah. (laughs) Um, cool. So, uh, today, 
Do you want to get into what you've been up to in shooting uh, with David Sergeant Coffee, or do you want to jump into all of my shenanigans, or do you want to go into the main topic? You know, I, I feel like um, almost every week lately, it's been kind of a samey same for David Sergeant Coffee photo stuff. I did a video um, that was a little different, although I've done some similar videos. But I took a friend out and we did uh, some work with photography because she got a new camera by my recommendation. She picked up the A7C, got the 20 mil that I'm using to record this now. Um, and she's learning it because she wants to do a lot of like travel stuff, but also intertwine it with her tea business um jordan's teas she's awesome uh and so she's learning and so we went out and did a bunch of stuff i did a bunch of photography but also did a, a coffee anywhere type video and then completely i don't know if you watch this one but completely failed and didn't get to make coffee i'll leave it at that um it was it was um it was pretty unfortunate we left with no no warm drink but I had a ton of fun. I got some great pictures. I think using the 50 mil, um, we had some incredible golden light cast over the dunes. Got just just some awesome stuff to work with. That's kind of the highlight of my last week. Um, I did do some stuff with the coffee, but yeah, it's kind of the same every week, different ways to approach it. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I like that you've been um, sharing some photos of uh, you know the wifey making coffee and whatnot. Yeah, and that was a lot of stuff fun. like that. It's cool. And uh, oh. yeah, I watched... And that one reel, that was pretty fun yeah. to make. Oh, the reel was quite nice, actually. Um, definitely some of your best uh, short-form work that I've seen so far. Thanks. Uh, and, yeah, I watched that video while I was doing some work at my job, and it was good. It was cool. always disappointing when you don't get to walk away with coffee in a coffee video. but <laughs> Yeah, that, that sucked. <laughs> Especially because I wasn't just the only one going to enjoy it. It was like somebody yeah. else was like waiting for my coffee. I'm like, this sucks. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's funny. Um but right on, yeah. So still, still vibing on the fifty mil and love uh, it. Yeah, yeah. Hell yeah, yeah. I love to see it. I uh, I made a lot of moves this week. Yeah. Yes. I uh, I I had accidentally leaked one because I take every <laughs> I take every opportunity to publicly tell Sony's social media that they need to do better. You have to know um, that you're my only friend out of like seven hundred friends on Facebook who's going to comment on Sony Alpha whatever I, I page know. it was. But also, I just I I don't look at Facebook, so I assume when I put something on the Facebook, nobody has saw. That's it. That's where I case. go wrong. Um, <laughs> But anyway, so this week I sold my A7S III. And I have a video probably almost exactly one year ago when we first got the A7 IV at the shop when I was still at Jaegerworks. And I did a, a whole little walk out in the woods where I was talking about does the A7 IV replace the A7S III or the A7R IV for me as a creator. And at the time, I was unwilling to compromise with how good photos are on the larger megapixel sensor of the a7r4 and compromise on having the really high iso performance of the a7s3 and 4k 120 and uh just you know like virtually no rolling shutter to the degree that it like would ruin a shot or make me feel um, irritated or want to reshoot and uh Obviously, recently I had talked about trading my A7R4 for an A7 IV, finally, and that was to match the A7S3 for the most part. And then we got all these rumors, right? And so kind of touching base with the ZV-E1 rumors from last week, uh, I don't know why I kept assuming it was closer to a ZV-1 than it was a ZV-E10, but clearly it's going to be an interchangeable lens camera. 
and they have leaked some images of it which basically look like the ZV-E10, which is fine. It's probably a little bigger. It's probably close to an A7C size, which is disappointing because this might mean that that series is dead. And I don't want to talk about that yet, but I am sad about it because that revelation was rough. Um, but it basically is an A7S3. And it's going to have some heat issues. It's definitely not going to be able to perform as well as an A7S3 or an FX3, obviously, which has like almost no heat issues, right? So... It's going to have some caveats, but it has all of the performance and it has the sensor and it has all of that. And the reason I had traded my A7R4 was literally because it was getting to the point where it was almost not valuable anymore monetarily. It's a hell of a camera. If I only had the A7R4, I would still be crushing photography. However, to kind of move along and stay relevant and present with the technology, how I like to with the work that I do, I saw that I had to trade it. That was what happened this week with the A7S3. I had it as a feeler for weeks. Um, I had a lot of messages. Hey, will you take 2600, et cetera, all this stuff. And I was like, no, 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 no. And I, I kind of uh, tip if you're trying to sell stuff used. If somebody hits you up with like a lower offer, I always tell them, well, I have three guys checking it out this weekend. You know, hey, there's a couple of guys interested. It's still available, but it's kind of first come, first serve. And right now, the you know the lowest that I've I'm at with these guys is like 2,800, right? And I had it up for 2,900. I bought this camera for 34.99 um, with a PayBoo card from B and H, so I paid 34.99, no taxes, and probably used it for almost two full years. I've definitely made over 15 grand with it um, through different freelance work through actual work, et cetera. And I just sold it for $2,800. And peeling that bandaid off is kind of rough because like, I really love that camera. I took that camera to the Philippines. I've done um, all of my projects for the last two years with that camera, but it's just a tool. And for me to give myself permission and money and everything necessary to buy the, the next greatest thing, I just have to be okay with a couple of months of running two A7IVs, which are incredible cameras, right? So, like, it's not like I'm losing anything. I'm losing a little bit of functionality, and I basically gave myself permission to make sure that if for some reason an A7S4 drops, like, late this year, or they come out with some other camera that's going to solve a problem that I have, I get to just buy it, right? Like, that's that's in my savings account, and it's ready to go and ready to rock as soon as that camera comes out. Um, so that's kind of my mentality and why I do that, how I did that, my, you know, thoughts and feelings on upgrading gear and stuff. Obviously, I'm privileged enough to have the second camera and a camera at work and a third camera at work that's full spectrum modified. But like, <laughs> that's where I'm at. That is, that yeah. was my, the whole deal with selling my 7S3. Obviously, I'm not super surprised because I saw you say something, uh, but um, it's still kind of like a wow, he actually did it type of things. Yeah. Like you, you made that move. That's um, big respect because I know how hard it was for you to see the, um, the, the, the dollar amounts drop on the, on the prices for the A7R4. So I think it was the right thing to do. I just hope you don't have to wait too long. Yeah. <laughs> and like I said, like I, I haven't ran 120 FPS at work since I've been back in January. Right. I, just, I haven't needed it. It's really slow. Um, I'm doing most of my stuff at 30 FPS still like 30 P is fine. Um, I'm not really doing a whole lot of speed rampy crazy stuff anymore. Like I used to, I used to be like kind of really into that thing. 
and I usually use slow-mo for b-roll stuff or like setups but once I get into the action part of my job and what we do I've been speed ramping that a lot less it's it's a lot more just in real time kind of stuff and better cutting for better storytelling for better you know whatever um so it's been it's been fine and I think I think I'm gonna be okay like I said I only took what a $700 hit on it and I made far more um with that camera than uh I think any of my previous cameras, I probably have more photos and more video projects completed with that camera than my GH4, GH5, 7D, and the EOS R, like all put together, right? Mm. Um, so yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I feel that. It, it's it's pretty much exactly this the sentiments I had when I sold the D850 in all of my Nikon F-mount glass to put money towards pre-ordering and having the a7 IV. That's pretty much exactly how it went. And you know what? I don't regret it one bit. And I think as long as you don't have to wait more than a year, you're probably going to, you know, be glad you did that too. Yeah, for sure. And like I said, I have two a7 IVs and yeah. a7s two. You're not lacking for tools. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's all good. Um, it is interesting though. Like, uh, once I relinquish that, so I'm down to just a few lenses, and I have one body, and they're talking about the S1H2, like the next S1H, which I've already talked about really liking this 5.2. And now I'm at a position where the only gear I have left still has pretty good resale value and will probably sell in a weekend on the used market. Like, I could probably just flip my entire Sony setup right now and be back on Lumix or, you know, Maybe the Z8 is everything, and I get you know a call from Nikon, and they're like, "Hey, we'd like to, we'd like you to try this out." We're not that big of a podcast. That was a joke, uh, <laughs> um, and you know, and you give it a run. Um, but it was it was like a hurdle that I had to go through because that was my that was my first I would say like professional professional camera that I bought. Um, I wouldn't say that the GH5 isn't, and I wouldn't say that the work I was doing before my 7S III was not high quality professional work, but uh, that was that was the move when I had two thirty five hundred dollar bodies and like a lot of good glass where I'm running G Masters and like I wasn't I was no longer just doing bang for the buck stuff I was getting the tool that I wanted for the job kind of stuff and approaching work that I wanted to do so um, it was a big growth period for me and it was interesting to close that book for practicality and um, you know frankly I just wasn't using the tool to the level that it required me to <laughs> to own it so i kicked around setting up a rental service and i'm still gonna probably do a rental thing maybe through share grid or something eventually so i was tempted to keep it but you know cash money in the bank mm -hmm. i hope uh i hope uh so the, the next thing was i'm hoping that uh the eminent z8 and i said this in the post the <laughs> z8 and the s1h could be so good that either i switch or sony actually goes we have to release a, a new a7s we refresh the r or maybe it's an a12 <laughs> or an a2 whatever they're gonna call it and uh and it's and it's good enough for me to say okay well it's got the four axis screen it's got all the video features i need it's got low rolling shutter maybe it's a stack sensor or something even if it's more money i'm willing to look at that if that's the case um because now I'm down to what I would say is like the first good prosumer body. I got rid of both of my pro bodies. I'm ready to pull the trigger on like the flagship if that's what it means. 
It's right. interesting you say um, that the Z8 might entice you after selling the A7S III. What kind of video features w- might you expect out of a Z8 that would have you switch? Well, I mean, I think if Nikon wants to actually get in the hands of creators and be somebody in the market, that Z8 has to have at least full-frame 4K60. And sure, absolutely. Great, great autofocus. And, I mean, if they just do a really good job and they make an enticing system, I it's pretty easy to flip stuff for low amounts of money. And I'm in the position where I could toy with it if it was enticing enough. I just think it has to be every bit as good as any of the other flagships. I don't think it has to like totally blow by them, but I think it has to be as good. And I think they're shooting for it. Um, The S1H too. S1H is an incredible camera even right now. Um, I went to a, a Lumix release. I actually ended up dating a girl for a very short amount of time who was a model at the uh, the Lumix uh, <laughs> shoot that I went to. That's where I met her. And uh, I went to go play with the S1H. Nobody, it, they were basically letting people use it for like 15 minutes at a time. But everybody there was like pretty amateur. Like they weren't, and not like they're bad, but like they just weren't pros. They were just like there because there was like a, a local camera event. And I was talking to all the Lumix guys, and I basically had all my Canon lenses. I had like the 70 to 200 and everything on their um, EF adapter. And I was just shooting the hell out of that S1H. And I loved that camera because I was still like heavy on the GH5 at the time. I was like, man, you know, I'm, I'm considering going to Sony. And I was telling them that. And I was like, this this might be the camera to do it. But it was $4,000, right? Yeah. So, and the autofocus was what did it for me was why i stayed to sony because like the photos were spectacular that sensor is great the 6k was awesome the the high speed was good i love 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 the menu system i love the video features on um, lumix cameras they're they're the best um i still maintain that lumix menu video features having shutter angle having um all of that stuff it's so so good um i miss my gh5 to death but (laughs) Yeah. So you're and, saying you uh, may set up a rental with with the S1H2 and check out the AF and consider that system? Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um I was I was so so close to pulling the trigger on the S1H and then because at the time I was doing more photography, I went with the A7R4 cuz the sure. A7S3 wasn't out yet. And I was like, okay, well, I guess I, I finally, that was when I had the GH5 and the EOS R. So I was still running my 70 to 200 F2.8L too. And so I still had a very high quality photo camera and I still had a very high quality video camera. And they were all using EF glass. And then I just said, okay, well, I'm going to sell this stuff off and I'm going to go to one system and that system at the time because I just needed pretty okay video and I needed like a really bitchin' um, photography camera was the A7R4. And I didn't regret it at all. No. I mean, I didn't. You know, it got sure me where I'm, where I'm right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if if they had <clears throat> phase detect autofocus, man, I don't know that I would have batted an eye at getting that S1H. Um, so, and I love the colors. F log is literally F log V log rather is um, just the best. Hmm. Um, but cool. so we'll see, we'll see yeah. because unfortunately, I could see them making the S1H2 an 8K camera. And I don't want that big of a sensor because I know the rolling shutter performance is going to be bad. Mm. I'd rather them stay at 6.2K or whatever and just like absolutely crush it or 5.9K, whatever they did, and do all the open gate stuff and all the things that I, I like 
and then just have and then just like focus on that autofocus being good sure um because i would go back to lumix you could you run like a glass on it and stuff and it's so good man <laughs> like it's it's just such a freaking good system so yeah i can I'm, see it yeah anyway uh so that's that and then i had gotten rid of my zeiss and my tamron 70 to 70 as i had said with adorama and they shipped me promptly a 20 to 70 f4 <laughs> which is what i'm shooting on right now all right so i can uh do this whole super wide zoom and go in what i really like about this lens is one the autofocus is incredibly fast but uh the minimal focusing distance is insane is it it's like nine inches at 70 mil <laughs> like and that's from the sensor so like you can just do like full on if you just need like a macro shot of a product or something it's on point that's the awesome. thing is yeah the thing is sick so with the breathing comp which i don't think it has bad breathing any i haven't tested it without breathing comp but with the breathing comp and with uh the profile corrections that are built into the camera this thing is basically flawless um i mean all the so, reviews pretty much said as much for what it is designed yeah. to do yeah yeah with uh you know because i'm not worried about any of the distortion or vignetting or anything because i'm using the built-in profile corrections in the camera and it just it it's seemingly flawless and it's like the size of the 35 mil 1.4 so they're both tiny <laughs> i could take both of those and not need anything unless i wanted something really long That's uh awesome. it's it's quite good i i thought it i forgot i rather w that it had a 72 uh, millimeter filter thread uh, which is kind of a bummer uh, i was hoping that it was 67 like yeah. the uh but i have a dedicated 72 millimeter uh nd filter at least so sure that's not bad but yeah, yeah it's it's as good as a g lens should be in 2023 Very sharp cool. autofocus is great f4 isn't really a problem because as you know i loved the 24 to 105 i got rid of recently yeah um which is two trades away from why i have the 35 mil g master so like no regrets there but yeah uh yeah so i'm rocking the 20 to 70 the 3514 and the 70-200-282. Nice kit. Yeah, that's a perfect kit. I literally don't need anything, and it feels awesome. <laughs> so do you have any plans to uh, work with the 20-2070 anytime soon? Yeah, so I've already done a little bit of testing. I'm actually, uh, the main topic this week, which we haven't even gotten to, um, I'm using this lens to test um, a bunch of things. <clears throat> And uh, so I'm going to be playing around with it, um, doing some video at work this week now that Zach's back at the shop. I'm going to be doing a ton of photo stuff just to get a bunch of um, basically, I'm, I don't know if I'm going to make a video about this for the YouTube channel yet or not, but um, I'm super interested in it. So I'll have some some test shots to run a bunch of presets basically through. And uh, yeah, it's it's fantastic. I don't know that I'm like super excited about its photography capabilities. Sure. I mean, it's just an F4, but it's great having, you know, 20 mil again. Like this is so crucial. Um, I forgot almost how much I missed it. Um, yeah, it's this is that's the best of both worlds for me right now. Um, yeah. I basically got rid of the two lenses that I took to the Philippines and put it into one kind of. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, it's pretty sick, man. Fantastic. That's cool to hear. <laughs> yeah, very long-winded, but uh, <laughs> but 
That's, I knew it was going to be something. It's hard to predict with you anymore. So whatever yeah. it is, it's going to be good, and you'll make it work. Yeah. It's, a, it's It was a lot of moves <laughs> and a lot of dopamine going through my brain <laughs> as I was making all of this happen. Like I Every said, week, uh, I just got to keep track of it. That's all. Yeah. Well, yeah, now I think I'm settled until we get a new body. You know what I mean? So, uh, all right, you unless, all heard that. Unless, uh, yeah. I mean, I still have my eye on the 50. We'll see if I do it. Probably not anytime soon. I mean, it's still... You know, fourteen hundred dollars or thirteen hundred dollars or whatever. You I think you still want to run it and come up? Uh, yeah, I still want to do that. I still want to make content about it. But cool. That's like that's arguably that's an insignificant amount of money for me to play around with a lens. So yeah, because um, that's like my primary hobby is. <laughs> I still think that'll be fun to do. <laughs> yeah, it'll be great. Um, getting into the primary topic I wanted to talk about today. I, again, I purposely withheld this because I'm going to present to you. Uh, the thread on Twitter that kind of made me realize this and then my initial trials and my experiments with it. Okay, so March 14th, uh, Tyler Stallman, shout out Tyler Stallman again, um, as though <laughs> like he's one of the five people I reference every week. But um, he used ChatGPT4 to generate a Kodak Portra 400 film emulation preset. <laughs> So he asked, uh, let's see if he has the prompt here. I can't remember. Oh, boy. It does not look like he shows what his prompt was. So basically, he says, I'm looking to do uh, a Portra 400 film stock emulation. And ChatGPT says, well, and goes right into, first, you want to start with your basement base corrections, and it tells you on the sliders, plus and negative, how much you want to do for that. Then it says, then go to HSL, and for hue, you want plus five red, negative five oranges, negative ten yellows, etc. And it, it goes through the whole thing, right? And he goes another step. He throws the preset that he made with, I think, does he say that he added, um, but clearly has the right target... Okay, so he just took it and he put it on his store for free download. So you could try it and, and see what you think, right? Um, and it's not bad. I won't say that it's like mind-blowing or whatever, right? This information is out there. It's a, it's a, this is Adobe Lightroom. This is Portra 400. This is how maybe even X Fuji Weekly does it on their film simulations. There's information for a bot like this to, to dig up some stuff and spit out something reasonable. So it's like, okay. So, hello, chat GPT-4. Um, I would like you to develop a Fujifilm Superior Extra 400 film stock, right? And it spits out the same kind of thing. It was a very detailed, this is what I would do to do it. And if you're not familiar with, like, Superior Extra 400, it's a, it's a very basic kind of neutral, clean uh, consumer film. It's not, sure. it's, not, it's not that gnarly. It's not like it has a bunch of character or whatever. And I was like, okay. So I tried it and I looked at it and I was like, you know, this isn't far-fetched, but it's, it's kind of basic. It's not as surprising as you might see. And, you know, he had like some tone curve adjustments and it kind of, it kind of tells you like, you could try this, uh, you know, you do a slight S curve and for your highlights, whatever. But it is smart enough to say like, this will change depending on like your photo and stuff. So these are the things that you should look at when you're trying to emulate Portrait 400, et cetera. I was like, okay, so then I tried Cine Still 800T, where at this point it said, clearly it said, so you want to lean warm because 800T Cine Still has like a warmer tone to it. And 
it wasn't quite as detailed, but I still think it hit the mark for like the primary things. And so the next thing I tried was like, okay, so a Lightroom preset's relatively easy. What if I ask it to do a LUT? And a LUT isn't as easy as making a, a preset, right? You got to go through and do a bunch of stuff. And naturally it struggled. But then I said, so what do I do if I want to get a like John Wick 3 look to my video? And, you know, it it started to dictate some things that you could do to match that color, the look, the tones, like the maybe the, the tones that you want to focus on and the highlights and the shadows to make what looks like a John Wick 3 thing. So I tried similar similar stuff and it literally ended up being uh, a little less interesting kind of the more I go down the rabbit hole the more times I kind of ask it uh what about a look for like this movie or something or, or something out of left field and it kind of tells you the same stuff so it went from being incredibly exciting to going okay maybe maybe it's just pulling from a little bit of information and it's actually not that that enticing right <clears throat> If I'll interject here, yeah, I have I was, played. Was... With, yeah, sure, sure. Uh, it is very interesting, um, and I want to see, I want to see that explored more because all that's essentially doing, from what I can understand right here, right now, is that it's taking information that's out there, um, kind of rewiring it in a format that's easy to see. Um, because I'm sure if you go to Google and just look up uh, what can I do in Lightroom to make my images look like such and such you'll get different versions that you can kind of pull together and what this is doing is kind of taking aspects of all of them and trying to figure out what the what you really want well it's consolidating that info yeah yeah and then you can ask it multiple times and it'll try to give you the same format right and then it's doing it's just adding syntax to make it seem like it's talking to you through it right right so my experience uh, excuse me if i interrupt but my experience um using chat gpt3 um I've played with it a little bit, just like writing like like scripts and stuff, just to have fun with it. And at, when I started the conversation, its its context kind of bases itself about how you start the conversation. Yeah. I asked it to write me a script about Shrek meeting up with Austin Powers, right? Like this weirdo combination thing. And then I tried to go off topic a little bit over and over, like uh, over the course of like 10 or 20 minutes talking back and forth with it. And it always kind of tried to pull back Shrek and Austin Powers into totally different things. Um, it leaned a little bit too mu- too much on the initial context. So yep. I'm not sure if that's probably what you're seeing. Yeah. Talking no, about so, that. So I would go into new chats. Every time I would, every really? time I would, every time I tried either a different film stock or a different look, I just started. So I have, I still have Chat GPT four open with all of my different chats on it, and so I wouldn't just keep asking it in the same little sandbox. Interesting. Okay. Um, I, pur- I purposefully didn't do that because, again, I, I agree. I think it's gonna, it's gonna dumb itself down, or it's gonna introduce more error. Because you're going to introduce more error, giving it context that is no longer necessary for like what you're talking about. Um, again, my stance on like ChatGPT versions of AI is that it's only as good as the inputs that you put into it. If you're sure. uh, if you're a dipshit, then like it's not that useful. Like it it's <laughs> there was a there's another tweet that I saw. I should have saved that for today, but they were like. Uh, um <laughs> it was something like uh chat gpt uh 
you know, start this conversation or whatever, like you're a boy trapped in a well. And then it was like, ChatGPT, help, I'm a boy trapped in a well. And then like the tech bro is like, oh my God, it's crazy. It's going to take over. And it's like, yeah, yeah, man, that's how I feel about it. I think it's, it's, it's really just syntax based, like Google search, which I'm not saying that this isn't super wild. It's the very next version of how awesome Google was, but I'm just trying to still wrap my head around how it's consolidating information and putting it in a box. So I would say Tyler Stallman using Portra 400 is either he he got really lucky or Portra 400 is so freaking like popular that ChatGPT was able to pull enough information together to make something that actually did look like portrait 400 i think the cinestill one was kind of me being cheeky because you can't really match cinestill because it's a uh, it's you know the way the process works without getting into technical information is it's a different type of um process or something they do something to the film i think it's like a uh, movie film or something like that that basically adds all these like halations in a way that you couldn't just emulate if you didn't actually have either the chemical or some type of like filter or something like you can't just in lightroom make it look like cinestill it's impossible right um but you can get the tones and stuff of cinestill which is what it tried to do um but it also didn't tell me that without having that actual process you're not going to be able to match the halations and stuff without getting pretty heavy into like either photoshop or using um on the lens filters right so tyler stallman since ai kind of popped off in the last year has had it in rotation on his podcast and his conversations in social media a lot because i think he's he's trying to approach how are these tools going to change how we do things and he's getting in front of it before honestly way before it's even a problem or taking people's jobs or something like that he's just he's he's publicly always working around how it's affecting what we do so i really appreciate that and it was it was kind of a fun experiment to jump in um and piggyback off of it because it it's almost super impressive yeah, almost. And let me give you an example I just did right now. So I have um, Bing Chat. I have a, I have um, the I have access to that. It took Same me about name. a week or so. And I just did what you what you're talking about. How to edit um, like Portrait 400. And I had to prompt it a few times in different ways. I had to I had to ask it uh, how to what can I do to edit my images like Portrait 400. It searched how to edit like Portrait 400, how to edit digital images like Portrait 400. And then it just basically generally linked me to a, a YouTube video, how to edit in Lightroom like vintage film. And then I had to ask it, be specific about the development tab in Lightroom for me. And then it learned what the development tab in Lightroom did. And then I asked it, now tell me how to edit like Portrait 400 with that. Now this is where the infancy of this technology is showing because I think there's a whole lot more room to grow because what it then told me was, choose a photo you want to edit, adjust the exposure, blah, 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 to look like Portrait 400. Adjust the tone curve to match the tonal range to look like Portrait 400. So it's not telling me what to do. Where um, what Tyler's did seems a little more helpful. Um, I think I have more opportunity to play with this to see if it can dig further because I know that it can read transcriptions of videos to get this information. Um, but I wanted to show you just like, yeah. yes, this is the infancy no. of this right yeah. now. I, I got very similar results to that in one of my chats asking for another film stock with ChatGPT4. Yeah. Which I am assuming Bing's ChatGPT is working off of 
3.54, it's probably pretty similar. It's yeah. just, again, the context for Bing's chat is prompted differently. Yeah. Um, the tool is incredible. I think, I think the syntax is helpful to re-figure out how you want to ask the question. Mm -hmm. Because that gives you a better understanding of what you're actually looking for. I think that's exactly. really important. I, I, I think as a tool, that's remarkable. Because if you're just staring at a Google box that says, you know, what are you looking for? And you're like, I don't know. I'm looking for like this. And it spits out just a bunch of links. Yeah. That's not helpful. It's not. Uh, I know people that don't even like Google things anymore. Kids, this blows my mind. Young people search TikTok like Google. I know. It's wild. And, that, and when I found that out, I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> well, isn't and also the, YouTube like the biggest search engine in the world? Like yeah, these, so these platforms are there for that too. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, I guess I'm entering boomer mode because I still open Chrome and, you know, if you just use the address bar. Uh -huh. Maybe if you're not familiar with how Internet Explorer used to work, <laughs> the address bar was not a search engine. And if you typed in just normal con, it would just go, what are you talking about? It broke. About? <laughs> yeah, it's like, can you www dot this for me? Because yeah. Yeah. The error 404, page not. Yeah, we are in the transition of <laughs> Google, the way it's used now, being totally irrelevant. Yeah, and and that's why it's neat because like uh, obviously Google's gonna have to do something about this. Yeah, um, I'm sure it's on the horizon. Microsoft getting this ahead of this ChatGPT thing is huge because mm -hmm. I've been using it as well. And like to be able to ask it, even like could like I just don't want to sit here and I could search for this page and that page and cross reference them both yeah. and find my answer. It can just do that for you. Not and only. Not only can it consolidate information you can go find yourself, but the mathematics I've made it do is wild. Stuff yeah. like uh, I got super specific. You will never find this question online if you go and ask for it. But if you dropped uh, very, three very specific Sony lenses from the top right. of the Empire State Building with the cross winds going from the west to the east at, at a certain speed, and yeah. it knows the weights of the lenses, and it knows like the yeah. force of gravity, it tells me oh. what <laughs> lenses hit the ground first and why. You know, yeah, it to, does. To be, it's crazy to be clear of what he was just saying david didn't have to tell it what the weight of the lenses no. are it will just fetch that info because it readily tells you available. what it's doing it tells you i'm going to search for this information i'm finding the dimensions i'm finding the weights this is what is going to happen and it, yeah. it like in math class in high school prove your work it does that so you know yeah. now you can't always trust it sometimes you have to ask it to try again if you think Dude, this you can doesn't sound quite right you can make it fail but sometimes yeah. it's like okay i know that i'm not gonna know the answer so yeah. sometimes i asked it to do it a couple of times but almost every time when it came to the mathematics when it got the dimensions right from the source it was within like an extremely minimal margin yeah absolutely well you know, a graphing calculator, the good old TI-84 is going to fail if you give it bad inputs too. Right, exactly. And so, like, there's a margin for error in all of these calculatory things. I don't know if calculatory is a word, but it sounded good at the time. And, uh, but yeah, so, again, I'm, I'm definitely not like, this is the craziest thing ever. But it is literally the start of the next big No, I'm kind of there. Technology. I think it's like the craziest thing ever. This is, I don't, I mean, I when don't... Google popped up, there you had to go to a library, basically, you know, before yeah. Google. Now, we have this information it's so much faster than Google. And that was so hard to compre comprehend forever. Like, Google was fast, right? It, it, 
But so if I'm being honest with that experience, I'm only 30 years old, but I've been on the internet way too long. And I can tell you right now, I remember getting into that stuff and it didn't blow my mind. Like things on the early internet didn't blow my mind. It was like, I, I found it and was like, this is really interesting. Right. Okay. So, and that's how I feel about it right now. So not that it's not an incredible technological leap. It's the next big thing. It really is. Um, to say it's not is insane. And I, there, it's it's reasonable to dislike tech bros, like that tweet that I talked about. That It's it's annoying. I, I am skeptical when anybody wants to have a conversation about chat GPT with me. I'm like, okay, here we go. Because uh, it's... It's like divisive for me only because people think it's like freaking Skynet. And it's so far from like autonomous, like the movie Her, where like Alan Watts and Scarlett Johansson's character is going to go into the ether off of their OS and you can't use your computer anymore. It's so far from that. It's just really high level calculations. And then it's added human syntax so you can interact with it better. Like it's an interface with a better Google. That's all it is. And that's not to say that that's not super incredible. It's not scary. And it's definitely not doomsday tech. <laughs> no, no, I don't feel that way. I just feel excited yeah. about the potential for um, quick information gathering. Oh, dude, it's a freaking. It's always been that way. Yeah, it's so sick. I, I, I agree that it's so sick, but I, <laughs> I but I want people to know why it's so sick. That yeah. it's like it is doing a lot of consolidation and calculation for. It, it's a great tool. It's an ap- excellent, excellent tool. Now, in the context of TikTok and YouTube being the biggest search engines out there right now, do you think there is a, an opportunity for them, for both of those platforms, to integrate? these AI tools in how people search on video platforms? Uh, Yes, but I I don't know how, right? Like I'm not smart enough. Well, the video, the transcription, the way that ChatGPT right now can read transcriptions of videos, I don't think YouTube takes advantage of that in their own search tools. I don't think that if you search something, let's say you search for a very specific thing that someone says in a video, but is nowhere in um, like a description box or in a title. I think there's room for AI to go in and do something like that. Right. Oh, absolutely. I completely agree with that. I just, um, there's, there's motivations behind how you get fed what you get fed when you search. Oh, absolutely. So so it's not advantageous to have machine learning for YouTube because they probably want more control over what's actually being output. And 100%. You, rel- you relinquish a lot of that with ChatGPT. That's what's really interesting is like if I'm using Bing like ChatGPT search, like do I trust it if like I don't know that it's integrating it's like prioritizing sponsored like links first? Mm-hmm. So like maybe it's it's actually going to very convincingly feed me you know not fake news or whatever but like you know kind of paid for bought information where they're like this is the correct stuff depending on context and what the topic is i guess but like if it's objective objective is objective but stealthy advertising and stuff like that is going to be a big old rabbit hole i don't think we even have time for today but i do think there's opportunity for especially youtube because they've got the potential the, the tools and the money and everything right now to, to develop yeah. this like if you just get real specific about it and put 
something in quotations in YouTube, kind of like the way we've done in Google before to try and find very specific things on the internet. I think like reading transcriptions and trying to find this person said this and I need to refer back to that moment. I think Google has an opportunity on their hands to integrate some stuff like that. It would be huge. Like, so Google's already kind of doing something similar at least with if you like say if you're trying to look to for um i'm trying to do something in after effects it already does a really good job at like feeding you a video first and then saying this is like the key moments of that video yes so, so, so they're close it's they like close. it's like utilizing that idea and then like full-on chat gpt like digging through the thing we just have to assume that youtube would either need to find a way that it benefits them greatly or they have to begin to actually care about their uh, audience because right. they don't necessarily care about us right like right. they care about the bottom end and a lot of stuff and as long as what they do actually helps with you know advertisers uh well-being and everything that's how we'll get the features i mean you had an experience where you wanted to die because their shorts uh editor is <laughs> absolutely abysmal it's awful um, so like again you have to assume that they actually care about what's helpful to the the end user in a way that might may or may not, I guess uh, it would have to benefit them and their advertisers. But the technology is there; they're going to do that. Um, I'm sure they're already working on it to a degree. Like I said, the key points thing. Yeah, I'm sure there's other specific scenarios too that I'm not thinking of. But that's the first one that popped in my head. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, I agree. If you're giving me an in, I'm going to tell people about this little shorts problem I have. Okay, when I'm posting to Instagram Reels and when I'm posting to TikTok, because this is just basically necessary at this point, um, I like to try to find trending audio to stick onto the videos to help right. algorithmically for the video to perform well. This is just basic stuff we all do basically at this point. And in that process, I like to pick a song and then try to balance the volume against the actual original audio in the video. This is extremely basic functionality you would expect, right? Instagram, you can do this. TikTok, you can do this. TikTok actually kind of blows my mind for how many features they provide to create on that platform. It's pretty powerful. Aside from that, doing so on YouTube is is, is super inconsistent. Um, sometimes like 20% of the time when I pick audio to go into, uh, when I pick a song from their library, uh, you don't always get the option to adjust volume at all. It is extremely strange. Um, and then the like 15 second thing versus the 60 second thing. Sometimes you can use music for only 15 seconds of the whole video. If you go 60 seconds for a short, it is really confusing, but just like the inconsistent, um, availability of an option as simple as slide your volumes is, is so it infuriated me. You know that when I te- messaged you about that, I'm like, this is absolutely ridiculous for a company like Google and YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and uh, I, I haven't done a whole lot of TikTok, but yeah, they give you like literally just, it's so visual. It's two sliders in Instagram where this is your audio. This is the music. And that's that all you, you need. And yeah, it's like, it seems painfully simple, like to not have that as like the very first option when you choose to use built-in audio from YouTube is insane. And let me be clear, I went, I like, you know, the boomer I am, I went to Google, how do you change volume on YouTube shorts? And I, I got different answers. I got people... 
from all over the world showing you, you know, the, the walkthrough about exactly how to, instead of going upload, go to create a short and do this and that. And sometimes the option will be there most of the time. And if it's not, maybe you should update your app. It's like, I've done all these things and it's just not working. I don't know if that YouTube is just on a quick update cycle for how they want shorts to work and look, but not having a volume slider is like the stupidest thing I could ever think of when you're trying to upload a video and maybe you want some music involved it's like come on youtube is this a licensing issue is it like the creators of the of the music don't want other audio interfere it's like what is happening actually yeah. it's making me mad just talking about it yeah for sure i i just i'm so bad about social media still that i would rather have a track edited into a thing i'm like i can't I wait care. till you start digging into the shorts man you're gonna see yeah. this and it's gonna be yeah. mad maddening no because the thing is i don't care about trending audio and stuff because i, I just make the thing the way it is and i'm gonna edit it completely in my nle and then i'm gonna i'm not gonna touch it in the editor i hate i hate adding stuff in instagram i feel you short editor so i'm just gonna i'm gonna keep uploading the way i do and uh damned if i do damned if i don't i'll probably you know fall into obscurity and and you know before i even make it on these platforms i but almost envy that <laughs> I, i'm okay with it i don't care yeah <laughs> yeah yeah uh, well that's just i just wanted to kind of let people know and if you as a listener have like this secret way please leave a comment if you're on youtube or reach out to me <clears throat> i'm on instagram at underscore david sergeant coffee or david sergeant let me know what you're doing to get that volume slider to work on YouTube Shorts. I'd love to know. <laughs> he's he's pleading. Please, Please. Help, help him. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean it is it is quite the stupid thing because like uh, so I'll maybe I'll link it if I can. I don't even know how easy it is to link uh, that kind of stuff from Instagram reels onto YouTube and stuff. But I'll put it in the show notes because uh, you know I liked the the reel that we're referring to. Oh yeah. Um, but so. Uh, that's that for the ai that's that for all the gear i think i don't really have a whole lot of uh rumors or anything this week thankfully but i i wanted to touch base on two things i already alluded to in this episode to to finish this off which was um the painful realization that they're gonna make a, a zve1 that essentially is an a7s3 i i fear that the zv line will eat the a7c line I also feel like it's too much compromise, right? I mean, I, I agree that it's too much compromise, but they have the ZV-1F, the ZV-1, and the ZV-E10 on the APS-C line. So, like, I wonder if, like, the, the A7C will just turn into a version of a full-frame ZV camera or something. But what I don't like about it is it almost brings it too towards the, the consumer side of oh, cameras. Oh, absolutely it does. And I'm not willing to run something like that. Like, I, I don't know that. I mean, if you take away a joystick even off of a camera, I am done with you. Like, I'm a very simple man. Like, and it, it almost brings me back to being like full boomer. Like, if I don't have the three dials to do ISO, shutter, and aperture, um, I, I don't know that I can use your camera. The like, A7C <laughs> is a little bit tough to learn with that because you only have one, basically. Yeah. Um, you know, which is not the worst because now at least all three of my lenses have aperture rings, but so I can, I can right. do shutter on one and then just run ISO through a button. I can handle that, but, mm -hmm. but man, the rotational I, wheel of the direction pad helps too. So that's yeah, how yeah, I, the, you know, that's how I do ISO. It. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I don't want the ZVE one 
to eat the A7C. I don't um, think anybody does. Uh, well, I don't. I know some people really like the A7C, but I just I still don't hear about it. Uh, YouTuber creators don't really use it because it's just long in the tooth enough that like why would they? Um, if they're YouTube creators, they kind of go to the higher end or to the um, what is it? The FX30. It looks like I've been seeing a lot of, and so that's kind of how I'm gauging because I follow a big majority of like the Sony content creators, and that's kind of how I base if those guys are using certain things. I feel like Sony's probably going to stick to that ecosystem because those are those are the guys that they're probably looking to to see how things like if a travel guy isn't using an A7C um and maybe they did when it was like a popular camera I hope they did but once the A7 IV came out any of the serious content creators probably got rid of the A7C for that and then a lot of them played with the ZV-E 10 which a lot of them do that's their like i need a very compact video capable How you yeah you guys know i was super close i was thinking about it yeah and so was i right when i was gonna when i was potentially going to mexico and south america i was like oh maybe i'd get that because it's real small yes but i don't know i just like now that i i have uh you know money burning a hole in my bank account i i'm I'm curious to see if they're going to give us an A7C2 that's uh, and if they are is it just going to be an A7 IV? And my my other caveat is they're not supporting they're not equally supporting camera lines, which is one of the reasons I got rid of the A7S3 because I'm using the A7 IV because of breathing compensation and because of these simple things that my camera should have had that I you know we've beaten to death already, but what happens to the A7C2 if it's just an A7 IV on arrival? Does it have like a, a eight to fourteen month lifespan, and then like it just falls into obscurity because the A7S4 or something comes out and nobody cares again? Or is it going to be supported with all of the technology? Is it going to get technology that now my A7 IV doesn't have? I mean, I think we have enough uh, just trending information to know the answer to that. Um, I don't know what's in store. None of us really do right at this moment. There's a lot of opportunity for them, but I do feel like that's too much compromise for this to be a ZV and kill the A7S line. I feel like that makes the difference too great between like the FX line and what's available in the consumer end versus what's available in the in the pro end. I, I would hate to see it, and I think just about everyone else would, and I, I don't see the logic in it right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, just, I want to clarify. I think you might have misspoke. You said the to kill the A7S line. I don't think it's going to kill the A7S line. But the did you mean the A7C line? Well, no. I, 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 I are you? Maybe I have misunderstood this entire conversation. Do you think that if this what we're talking about here is a ZV camera, <clears throat> that they wouldn't then go ahead and make an S, A7S4? No, I think that they might not make an A7C2. Oh, interesting. Okay, so I was like. Even... Sorry, yeah. I, I don't think that the, the S-series necessarily is in danger at all, but I think that like we might not see a refresh of the A7C because it's a random camera. It was like a one-off. Yeah. Um... And, it, and it, I don't know on the back end if the A7C was literally a camera designed to test a smaller body full frame and to use available parts that they had because it was a bunch of available parts. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so it could have just been like okay that's going to be the one rando and now right. we're going to live off of this zv ecosystem because now it's in both full frame and a psc 
yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot at play. It's really hard to kind of decipher it all and make, make predictions because yeah. it's Sony and you just don't know sometimes. Yeah. Well, anyway, the, the hope is that, uh, obviously they make an A7S4. Please do that. Yeah, of um, course. And, and there's light, <laughs> there's light rumors on that, but, um, I was kind of hopeful for, but now I'm starting to realize that maybe an A7C2 is just like, if it's just going to be an A7 IV, like don't even bother. Um, yeah, it's tough. The a7 IV is an amazing camera, um, and I don't think I would be super cons- compelled to buy an a7C2 if it was that camera, but just a little bit smaller with the viewfinder chopped off the top. I don't know. I, right. I mean, it would have to be a lot cheaper, and I don't think they can really make it a lot cheaper. Right. Or it's going to be one of those things where it's like going to get another piece of technology that they don't feed into the other cameras with the firmware, which is so frustrating. I would rather yes. you not introduce another camera and then just like make the line move forward and give us firmware that to support our current cameras than to just like scatter blast some random shit. Because like the fact that the A1 and the A7S3 didn't get some of these features is nuts. I have a buddy who I didn't actually realize he was running an A1. And I was like, damn, you're like primarily using an A1 and an FX3. It's like, how does that feel? Because uh, those cameras still haven't gotten, like, the reason I'm using A7-4s is breathing compensation, and I use focus mapping, and, you know. Yeah, that's tough. Um, and you pretty much, if you're trying to resell those cameras now, you have a very small market of people who are interested in that who don't care about breathing comp. It's probably pretty tough to live in that space right now. Yeah, for sure. Um Anyway, we'll see what happens. I'm I'm hopeful that Sony makes some good plays, and um, I'm hopeful that you know, like I said earlier, Nikon and uh, Panasonic and all these guys really put a fire under their ass to deliver some some good stuff for the consumer. They're killing it with lenses right now, I think, and I think uh, they're still yeah. they're still in their era. You know, I'd call it the Sony era still. I'd say the Canon era was like 2017. But it uh, does given... feel like the tides are turning a little bit, right? Like yeah. Nikon's on, on, about to make some moves, and it seems like Sony might have to step back for a minute just to respond. Yeah, or they're on it. You know what I mean? There has yeah. been like a, a light rumor that there could be an A7S4 at the end of the year, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, if that yeah, if that comes to fruition, that will be an, that'll just make an amazing year for 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 everybody into cameras, right? Yeah. What options? The Z8 drops and it's amazing. A7S4, it's gonna be amazing, right? What a great year it would be. Yeah, S1H2, everything. Yeah, Of course. And then the last one is, I don't know if you saw this one, but uh, it sounds like the Z8 is supposed to be similarly sized to a D850, just a little thinner, obviously. And it's just, it's just that little added data point for me to go, I really think they're going to try and nail where the D850 sat in their lineup, which was their, like, I don't care about their D6 and 5. The the D850 was, like, Nobody the does. flagship, <laughs> dankest Nikon camera that they ever made in the DSLR realm. Yeah. It was it was their best camera. <clears throat> I consider it to this day, and I'm, I know I'm biased, but the best DSLR of all time. That's just yeah. where I'm at with that. Sure. Um, I... I can't disagree with that i think it was just at the i would uh, so for my context i was a canon shooter i would hold the the d850 closer to the 1dx mark ii than i would the 5d mark IV. interesting so like as far as like being basically their flagship right like if i was going to jump into a nikon like it was the d850 all day long um some of the features the d850 had made the d5 seem like not 
worth five or six thousand dollars right it yeah, just wasn't it? yeah you want some speed you get the 1d for sports basically that's about it yeah yeah, yeah. it's wild stuff so um i'm just i'm i need them to succeed i know that sounds so crazy because i just i really don't give a shit about nikon but like they we need basically it's like needing godzilla right like <laughs> you have this monster these monsters like ravaging tokyo and like the only thing that can save you is uh you know a third giant monster <laughs> to kill the other monsters um because the consumers need that and i'm at like the precipice of like the next big technological jump in consumer and prosumer and you know content creating cameras is is soon um, yeah, we can, we're coming off of two years of a little, a, a little bumps. Yeah, we're getting to little bumps. I want to see a big bump again. I want some mm-hmm. excitement. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's clear after this episode, I'm an absolute gear hound. So, <laughs> I think it's pretty fair. I mean, we have a lot to look forward to. I think. Yeah, it's it's pretty exciting. Um, so uh, so this week, what do you what do you have in the docket? Um, man, not a whole lot. I've got a lot of roasting to do because yesterday's market went really well again. We actually got pretty lucky because not only was it the day after St. Patrick's Day and I don't really drink, but also it uh, was terrible, terrible weather. So many vendors were out leaving a lot of customers, fewer options, unfortunately for them, but many of them bought coffee for me. So I am low on stock and I got to be roasting a lot. So I don't know that I'm going to have a ton of time to play with the camera this week. I'm sure I'm going to fit it in somehow, some way. Um, but yeah, I'll be busy making coffee. Cool. Sounds good. Yeah. yeah I, uh, I got Zach back, so I'll be doing a lot of content for work, but, uh, like I said, I'm going to be playing around more with, uh, the film emulations via chat GPT. And I'm, I'm playing with some other ideas on how I can utilize it as a tool to make better stuff and interesting stuff. Sure. So as I, as I explore that, I'll, I guess I'll see what happens, but you know, with the, uh, the 20 to 70 and stuff, we'll, uh, have a little bit to say after this week with it because i'll probably shoot a lot yeah i want to see some stuff you make with it for sure anyway if you're still listening we appreciate you we're about hitting the hour mark we just nailed it again we're just we're hour-long andes it's like perfect um so you know leave us a message what do you think about chat gpt are you using it like crazy do you hate it do you think tech bros are goobers and it's not a big deal at all uh do you uh do you even care um, is it so far off your radar that you're like, dude, I'm just going to Google stuff and I go outside because I'm not a nerd. <laughs> uh, I envy you if you just go outside. I'm working on it. Um, but yeah, any any final words from you, David? Yeah, I mean, if you're listening, leave us a review on Spotify. If you're on the YouTube channel, we love you. Um, leave, drop a comment below. You know, let's have a, have a discussion. Uh, find our socials and get in, get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, awesome. We'll see you next week. Bye, guys. Bye.